hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Kevin West. To order or download additional resources, please visit kevinwest.org. Exodus chapter 3 says it this way. Moses, a couple weeks ago I was talking about Moses, but I want, I want to drill down on this a little bit more. Exodus chapter 3 said, Moses, for, for 30 years the children of Israel, you, you, you may not already, you already know this, but 30 years the children of Israel were in Egypt, come from the journey from Joseph being already in second in command, and his, God brought through Joseph's leadership, brought Jacob, the family, and 70 other people, and here they were relocating to Egypt. For 30 years, they were visitors in the land, okay? They were visitors. Everybody was okay. It was the Egyptians were there. Jacob and his family was there. Joseph was still in control. Here's the deal, though. Joseph dies. And when Joseph dies, there raises up another Pharaoh that didn't know Joseph, and all of a sudden now the people that were once were migrating there for the opportunity and the blessing now get segregated out and singled out. And for the next 400 years after that 30, over generational time, they become in slavery to bondage. What am I meaning when I say slavery to bondage? Sometimes I think when we tell these Bible stories, we look at what happens in the Bible and then I think we see it as like a fairy tale or a Disney flick to where it really doesn't have any real regular, everyday living um, application or understanding. But you gotta understand when these people were in Egypt for 430 years, they owned homes, they had land, they did. They owned places, they worked in agriculture, they worked in business, they worked in different aspects of, of, of life. Uh, so it wasn't, they, they were educated by the Egyptians. They were, uh, learned architecture by the Egyptians. They learned marketplace by the Egyptians. They, they learned how to, 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 to be segregated, uh, I guess integrated into the culture of the Egyptian way. So for 400 years, generation after generation, which would be about 10 generations, people grew up understanding and realizing, hey, this is all part of our life. The only thing they weren't able to do is they were not able to worship God as their ancestors did, but as far as able working in the fields, working, they did. They just weren't ever able to ever be able to work with a place where there was no ceiling on their life, so they had limited opportunity, but yet they were able to have some sort of level of security. They had food, they had water, their kids had education. Uh, they learned to live over 400 years in a restraint constraint environment where it was just as good as it's going to get. They become dependent upon the Egyptian government for the laws, the rules, the way of life. And I'm telling you, it's no different than where a lot of America is today, where the church at one time, you know, over a little over 100 and I guess 15, 16, 17 years ago, there was a widespread breakout of the baptism of the Holy Spirit in, uh, on Azusa Street on, in L.A., and all of a sudden, you saw stuff happening all across the country. You saw Westlands. You saw Methodists. And Coach Bryant knows this very well. He did an incredible teaching on the awakenings and how this all come to pass, and even in America. But you saw this wave of the of the Spirit of God moving across the land, where where people were getting set free and people were getting healed, and it was just revival and a, and, a, and a great awakening that was happening. Well, over the last couple of decades, and just to be honest with you, it started in my mind, it started back in probably the, the 80s, um, 
there was prosperity happening across uh, America. Uh, you, this, the, the, the marketplace was doing wonderful. Interest rates were starting to come down from the 70s. People were starting to grow. They were buying property. Uh, they were investing in business. People were getting jobs. Education was going to the next place. You had all this over about a, about a two-decade period where prosperity was really hitting uh, the country. And when that began to happen, about that same time, you know, if you remember correctly, there was some scandals in the church world. And when the scandals hit some of the church world, it, it related to like the PTL and Jimmy Swiger and all those different things were happening. Then there was a generation of people, and you've heard me talk about this before, that became a little bit jaded because of what happened then. Because everybody was really given in to what the Lord was doing, and churches were growing, churches were doing well. And then all of a sudden, a couple of scandals happened, and people get a little jaded, and then people start pulling away. Um, the media kind of starts exploiting a few um, flaws in the church. And before you know it, people get prosperity, Mora immorality sets in where people weren't as moral as they used to be. Uh, you know, family values didn't make, mean fam family values anymore. It just meant whatever you wanted it to be. And then this whole shaking of our foundation of what we really thought the church and family and life was about just completely took on a different meaning. It's so much so that a generation over the last 20 years, 30 years of people grew up without any type of moral compass in their heart that said this is right and this is wrong, this is not a good decision, this is a bad decision, do this, don't do this, get educated, don't get, I mean, just people just couldn't see right from wrong. So whatever was right in their own eyes became okay. Then we start living with the consequences of those decisions because those kids grow up, and as those kids grow up, now they're the young adults in the land today, we call them the millennials, but they're young adults today, and they have children, and the children now are raised up. And now, you, if you look across the landscape of this country, you see over the last eight or 10 years, you've seen economic depression, you've seen families just totally imploding. You see all these things happening. Then you see addiction you know, just kind of blanket the entire nation. You see a housing market, you see financial instability. You see all these things that start happening so all, all the while, this generation that was, you know, su supposed to, has never tasted of living in a good land, now is growing up, and there are young adults, and there are people rising into leadership. So you see all this happening, and you're going, what in the world is going on? Why is this spinning out of control? And, and why is it that we really are starting to try to just to, to police the, the moral police of people when the church, which really is that nucleus and that, that group of people that's supposed to be carrying the presence of the Lord, we, we kind of left God's power and his presence for more programming, more social structure, and chasing after people because of the need. And then what happened, as I just said a few moments ago, the tail started wagging the dog. So you have great church events great church speakers, great church activities, great church all over, but the reality of it is, the people that have grown up in the tens and the, the, the low to early 20s and 30s right now never have seen the power of God. Am I telling, talking to anybody? They've not, they've heard about it. I had a young man come to me just last week and he said, he's in his early 20s and he's, his life has been in a real jam and mess and he's just now now, 
uh, finally get to a place where he's open to hear what the Lord has for him. And he's wanting to go to this, uh, the Supernatural School of Ministry that we have here. And uh, he comes to him and he says, gosh, I've been reading all about this. And he said, what I'm reading, there, there's people that really lived after the Bible that truly have lived in the power of God. I said, well, of course. He said, why don't we hear about that today? Why don't we see that today? Why don't we, you know, where are all those people? You know, where, where is that? I said, well, it's because we've gotten away from placing really the demand on the presence of the Lord and entertaining that presence. We've gotten away from that to where we really have relied strictly on our own um, intellect, our own wisdom, our own knowledge, because we're pretty smart people that know how to really market and program. And if we program something just right, it doesn't have to have the power because it'll look like it has the power. And then we are, if we're salespeople enough or we're, and I don't mean that in, not intentionally, if we really truly are persuading, persuasive people, we can persuade people into believing that this is the right thing for them. Even though all it is is a holding pattern while people just continue to steal, it steals years off of your life and before you know it, 20 years are gone by, 10 years are gone by and you're going, man, I, I bought into that. I know a guy right now give eight or 10 years of his life to something he felt like it was, man, it was everything it was supposed to be, and I'm here to help it. I'm gonna prop it up and make it what it's supposed to be. I believe in it, and until that thing bites, the, bites you, you realize the very thing you've been propping up for eight years or 10 years is the thing that just begins to bite you. And then you realize, my God, your bubble's burst, your illusion is gone, now I'm living inside of this thing. Am I talking to anybody or just me? You're living inside of this thing going, my God, I thought this was the way it was supposed to be, but the reality of it is, it looked like it, it smelled like it, it even felt like it at times, but it wasn't it. It had a form of the godliness, but it just denied or rejected that power that comes with the Spirit of the Lord. If you look at, G and I'm gonna talk about Moses in a minute, but if you look at Jesus' his record, his, his record walking, he comes in the earth, begins to walk amongst the people, his motivation was one thing, he loved and he had compassion. He was on an assignment from his father to come and inject into society the, the, the culture that came from above that nobody was representing properly. He came to inject that culture, introduce that culture, get people familiar with that culture, expose people to that culture for them to be able to see that the way we have been living is far beneath what really is available to those that believe, right? So what happens is when you're not ever able to bring people up out of that, like Jesus did, Jesus introduced them, exposed them to it, he brought healing, he brought deliverance, he brought all these different wonderful, powerful things that were from, really from heavenly realms, he brought them and introduced it to the people, but, but, but the lack of the power the church has had over the last couple of decades, we have to get down here with the people and explain away or reason away the lack of the power. So we begin to process and we begin to program and we begin to do all these different things that are here which are natural and they're normal and the right to do, but they'll never take the place of what Jesus came to do. Here, Jesus would walk into a situation and there would be a, a, a man that would be there that was sitting at a, at a, a pool and he was impotent and he was uh, lame, couldn't move, he didn't have any life, there was nothing, he couldn't reproduce, there was nothing in him. 
but he sits there for 30 years, and Jesus comes up to him and says, hey, you know, what are you doing? The waters are swirling. He said, I don't even have a man to get me into that water. At, at particular seasons, the angels of the Lord would come down and swirl the land, the water. He said, and the first one when did that water would get healed. He said, I don't have anybody to take me down there. Jesus says, listen, get up. Get up, you, 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 don't, you don't need a man. Now, but here's what happens. We as a, the church have created a codependency where the church needs the people and the people need the church. So we've learned how to do the dance in our program absent of any power of somebody getting really truly healed. I'm telling you the truth. I'm telling you the truth. I'm gonna put us on a place where it's gonna have to be a put up or shut up. We're not gonna take off one package, put on another prettier package, and then present it and hope it's something real. It's either gonna be the real thing or it's not. It has to be. We have to live in that place where we can't, we can't explain why God didn't do what he did, but we know God does what he does. And we believe that God will. But, but, but trying to make all the excuses in the world for the, the church is creating a false sense of perception of the body of Christ and the false sense of perception of the body of Christ has become lame, we become weak, we become just, just backward, and while that's happening, the entire world around us is screaming out for an answer and a solution that we have not been able to provide. So because we haven't been able to provide the power of God walking in those situations, we have had to reduce ourselves down and create all these different opportunities for people to fellowship but fellowship without change really becomes so ordinary that you just keep people where they are. There's gotta be transformation that takes place in people's lives, right? That's why you can, we can come to service every week after week after week, but you've got to see progress. You, your life has to progress. Now that doesn't mean you won't have trouble, you will. But at the end of the day, you're gonna progress. Barry and I were just talking earlier today about Deb had gone through his, his wife had gone through a surgery and Every day, some days you look at it, if you just took a snapshot of today, it might look like she's regressing. But if you look back at where she started a couple of months ago from the surgery, you look at it and say, whew, thank God she's not back there again. So some days you might look like you're not making any progress, you might even look like you're regressing, but the reality of it is, from the day you started, are you further along than you were when you began? And I have to look at the church and say, guys, we have to get to that place in our lives personally that yes, we have troubles. Yes, there's ups and there's downs, but we're further along where we were when we started this journey, right? And everything we speak and everything we do has to be about moving people into that place where we come into the place and it becomes a, a face-off between what's possible and what's not possible. Because if everything we do is just possible, we can take credit for it. But if we come into the face of impossibilities and things that are not possible, and we come into face to face with that, and we trust the Lord in the impossibility, somehow God does what he does and moves you through it, and you in your heart know it wasn't you, it had to be him. And many of us are in face of situations in our life right now that we're trying to go, okay, God, we know you brought us to this place, and I've done everything I know to do by following after your footsteps and you're tracing your hand, but now I've come to a place where I can't make this happen. I'm smart enough to create something, but I know better to create an Ishmael because I know what it can create in my life. So I've come to this place right here, Lord, so I don't wanna create something that I'm gonna to have to take in my own hands. 
So God, right here, I've gone as far as I can go, but I'm not gonna stop. I'm gonna lean into this because I'm expecting you with the same expectation that you did back here, you're gonna do it right here. It's a lot easier to believe God when things are possible than it is to believe God when things are impossible. It's a lot easier to believe God when you can figure it out for yourself because God can just help us along. But what do you do when you get to that place right here when you can't figure it out on your own and only God can take you through? That's what Jesus did over and over and over again in the Bible. Over and over again, he would come in and, and introduce himself, his presence, into impossible surroundings to where the people were learned how to, to manage all those things that were impossible. They could manage them, but they never changed them. And Jesus would step right in the middle of their management of all those impossible situations and say, there's a better way if you'll quit managing all of that impossibility. I'll show you how you can supersede and trump over that impossibility, and we can see that possibility become a possibility. I'll change it. If you don't believe me, there's 5,000 people here. They're all gathered around, they're hungry. He looks at the disciples, he says, guys, we gotta feed them, we have to feed them. And they're going, we don't have any food. A kid with five fish, or uh, two fish and five loaves comes up, he takes the kid's lunch. He blesses it, he breaks it. You know what he does? He takes it and he gives it to the disciples to dispense. Puts them all in order in the 50s and 100s. And he says, here, we're gonna give you food. And he starts dispensing. What did he do? What was that? It was an impossible situation that required something supernatural to happen. He took what was natural that they had learned to manage blessed it, broke it, then he gave it right back into the disciples' hands. It wasn't that Jesus went out and said, here guys, I'll show you how this multiplies. He put it right back into their hands so that it multiplied in their hands as they were dispersing it. He's not gonna bypass us as disciples, as the church, and do something so supernatural that just swoops over our head and we go, whoa, look what God did. He's gonna do it through you and through me. He's gonna walk right in the middle of impossible situations that we typically, our default button is to manage I want you to think about this. What in your life right now comes to your mind that you have tried your best to change? You try your best to see transformation. You try yourself to fix it. How much of it, and I know I'm guilty as this is the next person, how much of those things that are just impossible have we learned and trained our mind because it's hard, because people are depending on us, other, your children, your family, your, your the church, or your business, or your employees, or whatever, and you're looking at this thing going, so you learn to manage all this impossibility to, to make some sort of sense in your head. So you feel like, okay, now I got a plan. Now I got a plan. Now I got a plan. And all we're really looking for is a seam of God to break that thing wide open. I've never in my life experienced something so supernatural that I could ever explain it. If you can explain it, there's a good chance it probably isn't supernatural. Am I making sense? Over and over and over again, Jesus would walk into situations like that, introducing another way where impossibility collided with the possibility, and the impossibility would have to give way to what with God, all things are possible. 
Moses brings those children of Israel to that water. You saw, we talked about it two weeks ago, that water, that line was wide open. He brought them to that place. In two scriptures, two verses, back to back, one scripture looked at him and said, he says, stand still, you're gonna see the salvation of the Lord. He goes to God and he says, God, here we are. I am, it's impossible. I can manage it. I can, I, can, I can put them all in order. I can do, there's a lot of things I can do right now, God, but the reality of it is, I can't go any further than I'm gone now. And the Lord says, Moses, step forward, go forward. Why are you crying to me when I told you to go forward? Moses is saying this, he said, here's why. Because God, I don't see any possible way without risking everything that you've given me, if I take a step, I don't see any possible way how that thing's gonna be wide open and I'm gonna make it across that and I can't jeopardize all these people. God says, I'm not asking you to look at your surroundings and your circumstances and what ifs. I never talk to you about hypotheticals. I talk to you about direction. I told you to go forward. If I told you to go forward, you go forward. It's up to me to make sure you have a place to land that foot. It's not up to you to make a place for that foot to land. It's up to me to make a place. You just have to go forward. But what if, God, I'm foolish, I'm not calculating it right, it doesn't make sense. What if, what if, what? The Lord says, I'm not asking you what if. And here's what he told Moses. He said, here's why. Because those children of Israel for the last 400 years have been slaves. They've been, even though they've been living in the land of Egypt, they've been living in the, amongst the people, they've been living and eating and dwelling and working, they still have a, a slave mindset. For 400 years, they've been slaves. He says, but Moses, if you haven't noticed already, I told you they were my son. They were not slaves to me, they're slaves to Pharaoh. To me, they're my son. Egypt is my firstborn son, he said. So here's what I need you to do, Moses. I need you to bring the slaves out of Egypt because they think they're one way, but when I bring them to this place here, I'm gonna bring them out the other way, and they're gonna go from being a slave to a son. They're gonna go from believing that they're underneath all this impossibility, and they're in the hands of everybody else, to truly seeing with their own eye a supernatural parting of the ways where they are seen, they have their own experience with God that they have come through the other side and when they come up on the other side, they will see their slave master die but their father will still be alive and they'll be my sons. But they'll never see it until they have their own experience. They've gotta have their own experience. Moses, you had your burning bush experience. The bush didn't burn. You had your own encounter with me. But unless they have their own encounter with me and they see that I'm for them, not against them, they'll always wonder, what if? What if? Slaves are always gonna be fearful. Sons are gonna always be able to take the risk. Slaves are always gonna be wondering about everything else around them, what the appearance looks like. But sons will come in and say, yes, I'm supposed to own and not just have the hand to mouth to me. Slaves are gonna be able to be subject to what everybody else creates, but sons are gonna create for everybody else around them. I've gotta change their mindset to realize that they're not just subjects over here. They're really creating the subject over here. 
Over here, you're the man that sits by the pool waiting for somebody to stir the water and let, get you up out of your cart and usher you in. Over here, you stir the water as yourself. Over here, you're the kid with the fish and the loaves and the disciples before. Over here, you bless it, you break it, and you distribute it, and it meets the need. Am I, am I talking to anybody? Over here, you're subject to the bank, you're subject to the lawyer, you're subject to the environment, you're subject to the people around you, you're subject to your subject. Over here, every element is subject to you. Over here, you need somebody else to lift your lid. Over here, you are the lid lifter. Am I talking to anybody today? This thing has to shift. The, the, the entire city of Huntington is waiting on you to be filled up with your encounter of your supernatural way. I, I know of a story right now where a person had an opportunity, somebody initiated to, to, to sell their house, and they really wanted to sell their house, but they didn't know if they should sell their house because they didn't have a house to go to. Somebody initiates it to buy their house. They go look at another house. That house is way more expensive than they can afford, but they couldn't afford to turn their house sell down. So they sit, they sit, they go forward on the house sale. They go forward with the house buy, even though in their mind going, oh my God, I don't know how this is gonna work. After they close on the house they buy, within a month, the person gets a promotion with more than enough to make up the difference from the house they sold to the house they bought. Okay? That's supernatural. There's no way you can manage the impossibility. There's no way. It's God, right? So here's what happens. That now becomes a lifestyle of expectation. That becomes your, your, your new floor. It was a ceiling two months ago, but now it's your new floor. So now you know how he works. So when somebody initiates something here, it's in your heart to do that. You don't see how it works over here. Rather than just saying, no, I gotta have a sure thing here before I say yes to this, sometimes you have to say yes to this before you have a sure thing if you know he's leading you, trusting he's gonna provide every step of the way. And my experience has been, and I probably, probably, probably your same experiences to you too, is I've never usually seen the hand of God in front of me. It's when I look back and see the hand of God and realize, my God, he's been there all along. Am I talking to anybody else? This thing has got to become a reality of a supernatural walk of faith when we, we create Moses brought him right to that place, and God says, Moses says, stand still. You'll see the salvation of the Lord. God says, no, don't stand still. Go forward. Moses says, I can't go forward. Moses moves the people forward anyway. The thing parts. Moses comes up on the other side. The people come. They drown. Now, here's what happened. At that place when that thing parted, those people went from slaves to sons. Here's the challenge. Once you cross over and you have your moment where God opens up the windows of heaven and blows you away and blow, just blows your mind of his goodness and grace and mercy. 
When that happens, your mindset has to shift to an expectation of he's your father and you're his son. If you take over with you a mindset of slavery after he's already crowned you a son, after you're already in the place of my dad and me, he's got my back and and he's leading me, I can trust him, this is okay. He's not trying to put hardship on me. I'm not suspect of him. I'm not trying to figure out if he's for me or against me or, 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 or this. Is he holding everything I've ever done wrong against me? Your father's not holding anything against you. So you're standing there looking at him going, I can trust you, I can trust you on this. You did it before, you'll do it again. So you keep trusting him in those incremental steps. But here's the problem. Egypt, after they came out of Egypt, they came over across the, 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 the water. Now they have this, this mindset of still slavery when God has already crowned them a, sl- a son. So here they're still thinking, hand to mouth. I still need somebody. I don't, Moses, you better turn something around for us. I need water now under that rock. We're thirsty. We could have had that. We could have dried, died over in Egypt. What'd you do? Bring us all out of here about our kid. And all of a sudden they start murmuring again because they didn't make the transition. Here's what I'm trying to prepare us for. The church of Jesus Christ is on the threshold of crossing over to living in a supernatural realm where we've never lived before. Exponentially in finances, exponentially in economics, uh, exponentially in healing and blessing and power and supernatural impossibilities that become possible because of God. We're walking over the threshold. Here's our challenge. The reason we're walking over the threshold is to come up out of the slavery mindset where we're subject to all of the government, everybody else around us, to when we walk over on the other side, we realize we're the owner of everything we have been subject to. If we don't become stewarding the earth, resources, healing, life, wisdom, knowledge, understanding, if we don't start stewarding what's already ours, we'll be subject of somebody else that's smarter than us and what looks like more powerful than us. So when you, when you make the switch, you gotta be careful what, over here you're making desperation cries and God hears the cries. Over here, you're making commands and demands that shift atmospheres and cities and homes. So when you walk through your house over here, oh God, I need you to do this. I don't know how this is gonna work. Man, I just really wish this opportunity would open up and God, if you will just do this over here, it's God, open that opportunity up. Not will you, when you. Not are you, you are. Over here is execution. Over here is a 50-50 chance he might or he might want. Over here, it's impossible. Over here, it's gonna happen. When they came out of Egypt, David talks about it in, in Psalm 126. When they came out of Egypt, it says this. He says, when they turned the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. Man, we're, we're li- over here living in a dream. This is really happening. 
yeah, it's really happening. What are you gonna do when he prays for you that big client or that big job or that big opportunity and you've prayed over here, all of a sudden the Lord says, okay, it's time. You cross over the threshold and he puts it right in your hand. Do you have the character, the courage, the boldness, the confidence to steward it that you belong on this side? Or do you feel like you're on this side but you really still think like that side. I wanna raise up some people that are over here on this side, but still they're thinking like over there. I don't wanna raise up people that are over here that still think like they're over there. They went to the river, a slave. They come over, owning it all. How are you gonna act when the impossibilities of your life start becoming very possible? That before you could even get it out of your mouth to pray, things start happening. I know a lady that I prayed with probably two and a half years ago. Her husband was born and raised in a good Christian home and saved with the Bible college. And about 10 years ago, got so jaded in the church, he was one of the people I'm talking about, that just said, I don't want anything to do with it. Man, I'm finished. I've heard him talk about power, and then that's not power. It's puff. That's what he said. He said, I'm not here about all that. So he goes out. He starts living in the world. So he's got a wife and a few kids, I see her at the ball field one day, and she said, we're talking, and she says, man, she goes, he's just a, he's a, he's a mess. He's just running from his call. He's just running from his call. I said, I'll tell you what. I think, I think the best thing we can do is just, we can pray for him. I said, but I got a better idea. I said, how about I, I meet with him? She said, that'd be a good idea. So I met with him, and the Lord was already dealing with him. And he told me exactly what I've been telling you. And he's one of, I mean, multitudes of people that I've ran into over the last several years that are just said, I've heard it all before. I've heard it all before. It's either gonna have to be put up or shut up. I am not interested just in a good social organization. I'm just not interested. I can get that out here in the ball fields. I can get that here in the rotary. I can get that here in, in our, the other civic clubs that are out here. I, and, and I love God. I'm, I have a relationship with God. I love God. I'm just tired of hearing about somebody trying to sell me onto something that really I know there's gotta be more than that. I said, okay. I said, I, I'll grant you that. I said, so now that you kind of know that, what, 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 are you, what are you gonna do? He said, uh, I, I really think the best thing for me to do is just to kind of do what I, I'm doing and kind of living, living life. I said, what if I told you that you are subject to the very thing that you're supposed to be leading the change on? I said, well, he said, what do you mean, leading the change? I said, well, you know what, it's not. But do you know what it is? He said, man, he goes, I've had an encounter with God. He starts talking about his encounter right there at the restaurant. He said, I had an encounter with God. He goes, man, he, he changed my life. I said, well, tell me how he changed it. He said, man, I was on drugs. He said, I was out in the world. He said, I was stealing, lying, cheating. I was doing everything out of the world. And all of a sudden, one day, the Lord just came on my life and radically changed me. I said, whoa. I said, changed He said, yeah. He said, he healed me too. I said, how did he heal you? He told me. By the time we got finished to that restaurant, 
That boy was, that young man was crying his eyes out. Tears running down in his food. He didn't eat hardly anything. He's crying his eyes out. I could see the presence of the Lord all over him. And I said, wow. I said, yeah, I guess you probably just need to keep doing what you're doing, don't you? He looked at me for a minute. He goes, what's that supposed to mean? I said, you just stirred up the gift that's inside of you. I said, you can't keep doing what you're doing. I said, you're part of the change. You're, you're, you're not a part of underneath it. I said, if you, weren't, if you weren't such a slave to the old mindset, I said, you'd be a powerful son. He went, I, I, I'm not tracking with you. I said, yeah, you are. You're tracking. I said, you just sit here and told me what God done for you in your life. He's blown your head off. He's turned your life and picked it up and turned it around. I said, and you've learned to manage now just your ordinary life. But what you just explained to me in the last half hour wasn't ordinary. I said, why is it you feel like you have to live within the ordinary life that you've created for yourself after your encounter with the Lord? And he said, well, what else am I supposed to do? I said, there's a, there's a, there's a waiter gonna come by here in just a moment. I said, won't you just tell him what you just told me? He said, God, he said, man, it's, that takes a lot of courage, a lot of boldness. I said, well, a few minutes ago, you did have trouble telling me. He goes, but I know you. I said, so is that what it is? I said, everything that you've been mad about the church for the last 10 years, you just become. I said, in fact, I'm gonna stop that waiter the next time he comes by. Waiter walks by. I tapped him on the, tapped him on the, Pant leg as he went by, I said, hey, I said, this is my buddy. I said, you got just a quick second? He goes, yeah, you guys need a refill or anything like that? I said, yeah, we do. I said, it's gonna take a second to get it, though. I said, tell him what you just told me. Man, he stuttered around for a good two or three minutes trying to get that story out, and finally, the power of the Lord hit him when he started talking about his family and what it's done for him, and I mean the thing, and the man stood there like this with his mouth dropped open, like this. He went, I don't know what to say. I said, you don't have to say anything. I said, this really wasn't as much for you as it was for him. And he just started crying like that. There's no lie. I said, I'll take the check. I picked up the check. I walked over to the counter and paid, got in my car, and left that boy sitting at that dining room table, at that table, that restaurant like this. Tears running down his face. He had to deal with it. Today, it's been about two, maybe three years ago. Today, that boy's leading a lot of revivals all around some of these country, county churches, small churches. He's leading revivals in him. Why? Because he talked to a restaurant guy, a waiter. He forgot, he, he, he stirred up what was inside of him. We forgot that. We forgot those little things. Now, why am I telling you all this? Why am I just nudging us a little bit? My biggest concern, it's not a fear, but it's just a cry. It's a trumpet call. It's a warning call, a wake-up call. Whether you know it or not, the entire body of Christ, just like the children of Israel, have been in bondage for several years, the church. But the Lord has brought us to the place where he's bringing us out, to where we're gonna have encounters with things that are impossible, but God's gonna make them possible through him. You're not gonna be able to stay in Egypt. You have to come. So you either have to leave the slave become a son, or you become the slave in the son life, in the life of a son. I wanna see you transfer over here to this place of milk and honey and land that flows, expectation, 
of I don't, I, don't, I don't need them. I don't have to have that. I don't have to manage this dysfunction. I don't have to manage this ordinary. No. The Lord allowed you to be alive in 2017 to witness the greatest outpouring of the Spirit of God since the days of the book of Acts. And you're alive to witness it. That's a privilege. That's a blessing. Now, it's not gonna be just as Peter stood up and said, these men are not drunk as you suppose. This is this is that, which is spoken by the prophet Joel. This is the, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh. That's not gonna be just for an encounter for us to shake and speak in tongues. It's gonna be for an encounter that's gonna infect an entire nation and an entire world. It's gonna turn it up with family. It's gonna turn it on upside down on economics. It's gonna turn upside down the educational system, the social system, the welfare system, the government system. It's gonna turn everything up on its head. And you're gonna be alive to be a part of it. This is the greatest time to be alive. That's why I'm really protective of where we're going because what I don't want is to get sidetracked with a bunch of stuff that looks like the real thing, but it's just as fake as the last thing. So when it comes in and I go, no, nah, we're not interested in that. We're not interested in that. And they're calling like crazy going, you guys gotta be on TV. You gotta be on the radio. We can give you an international TV. Listen, we're not looking for a big thing and a big deal just to promote our salesmanship. If we've got somebody raised from the dead, if we've got somebody getting healed, if we've got marriages being put back together, we've got economics changing, we've got coal mines busting at the seams, we've got, we got all that stuff, we'll document that and then share it with the world. But we're just not interested in repeating what's already been and just trying to do it just a little bit better. It's not who we are. I've lived too long, worked too hard, and I know too much just to repackage an old thing and call it a new wineskin. It's a new wineskin. It's an old wineskin. If we don't have the wine, we don't have anything. Would you stand with me? Here's where we are. I'm kind of glad we're having this conversation today. Because I'm prophesying to you that you're gonna see the greatest outpouring of God's spirit this world has ever seen. And there'll be a, a, a real clear line right down the middle. And the line right down the middle will be what looks like truth and what looks like power. And on the other side, you're gonna have deception, but you're gonna have it with artificial power. It'll be pumped up, talked up. But at the end of the day, it won't last. It fizzles out. But over here is gonna be this, this power. And when I say power, I'm talking about evidences of God's presence in the midst of his people and in the midst of your life. Things that you can't explain become reality. Now, does that mean all of our problems are gonna go away? Of course not, of course not. Our bodies are getting older. There's gonna be a time when we're not gonna be able to live forever. One day we'll go be with him in heaven. Those are all good, wonderful things. So we're not denying a body that decayed, 
right? But our spirits are being renewed every day. So something on the inside of us has to come, become greater than everything that's on the outside of us to where we start believing that God, not only is that a promise in the Bible is true, but it's a reality in our life today. Now, Stacy, Shannon, just sent me a, a video this morning and I don't have all the particulars down because I just got portions of the video. I didn't get the whole story. But they're on their way back from vacation and there's a whole slew of them and they were in a restaurant and he felt compelled to talk to some lady there to pray for her back. And then, but when he prayed for her back, she got healed. I'm making a long story short, she got healed. And he was just in a restaurant, didn't know her. And then another lady asked him to pray and somebody asked, asked him to pray. And all of a sudden things started just happening in this restaurant that he was in. And he said, I just wanna be so sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Do you realize what we're carrying? You're carrying God. See, there was a, a priest over here and a priest over here. And one guy on this side carried a stave. The other guy carried a stave. There were two priests back here that each carried a stave. So you had four and they carried this big old box. And the Old Testament was called a coffin, the ark. It was called the Ark of the Testimony, the Ark of the Presence, the Ark of the Covenant. It represented the presence of God because when they would sit it down, then that God would come and meet with his people on top of that Ark or that box. It was the presence of God. These four people were priests. One would carry one arm, one would carry another arm, one would carry a leg, and the other one would carry another leg. And this was the body. You catch that? This was the body. He would come and dwell and meet on the body of that box, which is a representation of the body of Christ. So they would carry, and everywhere they would go and put their foot, the people would stand about 100 yards behind them and follow that presence, and he would go. When it came through the Jordan River, Moses' rod parted the water, and the children of Israel walked over on dry land. But when jo jo Joshua took the children of Israel from the wilderness into the land of promise, land that flows with milk and honey, he couldn't just use the staff that, Rod had, that Moses had and push it down and the water come. His mission was different. His mission was this way. I want the priests to carry that ark of that box or that testimony on their shoulders. And what I want them to do is, the Bible says that every time they would step forward, the waters would part. The waters didn't part until they stepped forward. And everywhere they would step, carrying the presence of the Lord, everything that was in their way would be moved out of their way. What I'm telling you today is he doesn't live on a box. You're a priest. Your right hand, your left hand, your right leg, your left leg. And this is the box that he dwells inside of. You're now the Ark of the Covenant that carries the presence of the Lord. So everywhere you 
step, waters have to part. Why? Not because you're a priest, because you're a priest that carries the ark. You carry the presence. This has got to become a greater reality than the stories of the Bible. The greatest reality in our lives has to become you are carrying the most precious, the most powerful, the most potent being that can't be described that can't be denied, that can't be pictured, that can't be contained. But he chooses to reduce himself down here so when he comes out of you, it changes the entire world around you. When that reality, Katie said it this morning, when that reality becomes greater inside of you. See, it's not just greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. It's only great that's in you of the reality that you know what's in you. Greater is he that's in you, the reality of him that's in you, than anything that's in the world. So when Jesus come as the one carrying the presence of God, God himself, he, everywhere he would go, Oh, when you see me, you see the Father. Well, well, I don't do anything that I haven't seen him do. I don't say anything that I don't hear him say. Why? Because you can't separate me and him. We're in this together. Is that a reality in your life? God, let that become a reality to you. That he's not outside looking in. He's the inside trying to get out. That's why we call this church the expression of Christ. Why? Because what doesn't get expressed becomes depressed. What doesn't get expressed becomes repressed. And then oppressed and pressed and pressed and pressed before then you're sick and then you implode. No, it's gotta come out of you. It's gotta come, man, you should walk on your farm and walk on your business and walk in your house and walk in your neighborhood. Man, I drive down these streets of Huntington and sometimes I got a little smile on my face going, man, if you only know what I'm saying to you right now, I'll drive down some of the worst streets of Huntington and I'll speak directly to those streets. And I'll say, do you have any idea what I'm releasing right now? I said, God, I release power. I release power. I release power. I release peace. I release, and when I start speaking those things in the atmosphere, I'm telling you, something begins to, has to change. Now let's turn the church loose from not slaves that are subject to everything around us, but to sons that have already crossed over carrying the Ark of the Covenant and now when we speak, we're changing atmospheres. We're not just measuring what's already here. We're not subject to the economy. We create the economy, right? So when you're walking through the hospital, or you're walking through your neighborhood, or you walk into a situation that's just turmoil, you have to sit down with a little bit of confidence inside of you going, oh, if you only knew what I'm releasing in here today. I'm releasing the power of God. So Father, in Jesus' name, let there be such a revelation of why we're here, who we are, and what we're doing. God, we can't be just mindless bystanders 
walking around trying to figure out making something happen. God, there is something already sweeping across this land. There is revival. There is an awakening. There's a revolution. All of your presence is moving back and forth. God, I can feel it. I can sense it. I see it in the lives of people. But God, anybody that sees himself not qualified, anybody that sees himself needing something else to happen, God, I pray, Lord, remove that from them, that limitation, and let them see, God, they are exactly who you said they're supposed to be. And they are life changers, atmosphere changers, church changers, world changers, city changers, business changers, family changers, because God of what you placed inside of them and the reality of what we are on the inside and who you are on the inside of us is greater than every circumstance and limitation that we have in our life. Make that a reality that's second to none. That it'll be their default button, their reset button. And Lord, and when they re need to reboot because they're getting tired and weary, let the reboot come right back up to the factory settings to say, I'm greater in you than anything you'll ever face in this world. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you all. We'll see you next Sunday. What is it that you're called to be? Too often we think only people called into ministry are preachers. But did you know that God has called you to influence your world? Whether you're a teacher, a mom, a businessman, a doctor, you're called to bring who God is into your sphere of influence. I want to invite you to visit at Expression Church of Huntington. Our passion is to teach others how to be the expression of Christ in everyday real life. Service times are Sundays at 11 a.m. with Sunday school starting at 9.30 for all ages. We also have our midweek service called The Mid, Wednesdays at 7 p.m. Our temporary sanctuary is located at 5185 U.S. Route 60 East in Huntington at the East Hills Professional Center off of the 29th Street exit. We will soon be moving to our permanent property at Commerce Park in Huntington. I'm Stephanie Scragg, and I am Expression.